Okay, I'll just get five claps from you. Hopefully that's worked. Okay. Okay. So, hi everyone. Today on the show we uh, we have a, a lady Tim or a, a Timette, if you like. I'd like to introduce you to uh, Amanda. How are you, Amanda? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Oh, also great. Um, as we were discussing just before the show, mm-hmm. there I've been a, a little bit sick, so sorry if I get a bit sniffly and, and croaky, um, mm-hmm. but definitely still great nonetheless. Excellent. No problem. So... Anything else for the introductions or should I just kind of jump into it? Yeah, or it's yeah. up to you if you want to let people know okay. where you're from, for example. Okay, yeah. So uh, my name's Amanda. I am from Chicago, uh, so that's middle part of the U.S., basically. I've been a Tim for, or a Timette for, I think, four four years now, three or four years. So a lot longer than me. Oh, yeah, because you, you just recently made your way through all of the episodes, right? Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's working out about a year now um, since I started listening. Yeah, I remember I had a bit of a backlog when I started, and then I, I like to start things from the beginning and work my way all the way through. And so once I got to the point where I was completely caught up, I realized how slow they put out episodes and how inconsistent it is. Yeah, it starts to become pretty painful, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's why I just had to like fill it in with other podcasts because... Um, I only really started getting into podcasts about the same time I started listening to Hello Internet. Yeah. So h- how did you come across Hello Internet? Um, I So I had been watching Gray's videos, but I didn't know it was him until I started listening to Hello Internet, I think. And then I also watched Brady's videos because he has a billion um, so like objectivity yep. number file, those types of videos I watched periodically. Um, and I, th- I think it was a friend of mine came across it and she thought I would be interested. That was quite a, quite a good pun that you just threw in there. Did you, did you <laughs> yeah. realize that you said that you've watched I realized videos after periodically? I said yeah. After I said it. Oh, well done. Um, but yeah, I, a friend of mine found it and thought I would be interested in it. And it's funny because I'm the one that still listens and she stopped listening to it because she just thought they were too long and rambly. Um, but I enjoy that. So Yeah, l- long and rambly is definitely a way that you could, could describe Hello Internet, isn't it? Yeah. Because um, I like, I listen to, uh, because I commute on public transit, uh, so I listen to them when I'm on the train or um, when I'm walking uh, since I like I said yeah. to you before the show, I don't drive. So I spend a lot of time walking and on the train. Um, so that's just kind of what I do instead of walking in silence. I started listening to podcasts more and audiobooks. So Yeah, I tend to find that while while driving, like on, on long mm-hmm. drives in particular, or even just things like um, doing doing housework or stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to be able to listen while mowing the lawns but my my earbuds don't quite go loud enough to to be able to make sense of it Um, probably not good for your your hearing listening to something that loud yeah yeah, it's probably not good for you no no generally generally i have music on in my Mm. in my ears while i'm doing that because at least if you if you can't hear all of the music it doesn't tend to matter as much Mm. whereas if you're missing bits and pieces of a conversation on a podcast that Mm -hmm. can be pretty frustrating yeah but i found it's the best way to do dishes yeah, definitely. I, I, 
Do you know what my favourite dishes doing podcast is? What is it? The Unmade Podcast. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know why. I just. I think I find that yeah. While I'm there doing the dishes, if I have unmade on, mm-hmm. I um. I don't know. It's good. I have have a bit of a laugh and stuff as I go. It it makes a chore feel like it's not even a chore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't really listened to the unmade podcast much. I I think I listened to the first two episodes so far. Um, yeah. And it just hasn't really found its way into my rotation yet. Because uh, I'm at the point with podcasts where I have several that are pretty regular in their schedule. So every Wednesday I listen to one, every Friday I listen to another one. Um, But I think my favorite go-to, even though I've listened to all the episodes, is uh, No Such Thing as a Fish. Um, No Such Thing as a Fish. Yeah. So it's, have you heard of the the TV show QI? I definitely have heard of QI. Mm -hmm. I I listened, I'm sorry, I watched, QI a fair bit. Yeah. Um, I love so, that show. No Such Thing as a Fish is a podcast by part of the research crew for QI. So yep. they're, they're elves. Um, so they started a podcast and it's fairly similar to QI uh, minus the quiz panel portion where it's just their four favorite facts of the week that they found doing research for the show. And then ah. they all kind of like do additional research for the facts and then it, it goes off into tangents and one of them always likes to bring up Bigfoot and things like that. Um, so it's, it's really entertaining. They had Stephen Fry on the podcast a while back, uh, I think three or yep. four episodes ago, which was really nice since he's not on the show anymore. I'm just making a, a note of that because mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably a podcast that I'd, that I'd quite like mm-hmm. um, just to get all the interesting facts out of it without... Um, well, you say it's pretty entertaining, but it seems like they're taking the um, the entertainment out of it. I, I don't know. It, they, they still have the entertainment in there, but it's mostly with how ridiculous the facts are that they come up with um, or they find. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think of some good ones. But of course, whenever you're on the spot, you forget everything. Um, but there's just been some some interesting ones. And it, it repeats some stuff from the TV show, but it's always good. And they they have a really good, it's usually the same four people, so they have good banter back and forth. Um, so that's always nice. Yep. And they do live shows too throughout, like right now they're touring, so they'll record the live shows. And so sometimes with those you get the audience interaction with shouting out corrections and things like that. And so they have four people speaking mm-hmm. at the one time. Yes. Yeah. Does that so get does that get overwhelming trying um, to listen to it? So they don't talk over each other often, so they're really good about kind of taking turns because uh, the format yep. is one person presents their fact and then other people talk about what they found when they were doing additional research on that fact or yeah, okay. Okay. additional that makes, related makes items. Sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was wondering, like, if their voices are very distinctive and stuff as well, because you know how, like, sometimes mm-hmm. you listen to a couple of people talking on a podcast and you can't tell them apart. Yeah, I there's two of them. So the main the main cast is one woman and three men, and two of the men I can't remember their names. I have yep. a hard time telling apart the one that's there's two British guys and one Australian guy. So the two British guys, I have a harder time telling them apart, but it doesn't really bother me when I'm listening if I can't tell them apart. So, yeah, it's 
not too bad. And and uh, what other podcasts do you listen to? Um, I listen to I have a whole list. <laughs> um, so I listen to, of course, Hello Internet and Cortex as well, uh, which I really enjoy. Yep. Um, I work from home most of the week for my job, so it's really nice to kind of listen to them talk about their the efficiencies they create at work and kind of their workflow. Um, I work for a new department for my company, so I'm pretty much the only one on my team. Uh, so I work alone most of the time and I work from home, so I'm not with other people in the company. So it's really nice kind of yep. listening to that to get ideas for my own work life. Um, and I listen to Delete This, Dear Hank and John, um, Abroad in Japan is a, a really good podcast it's um uh, it's based off of a youtube channel basically and so it's a british guy went to japan through the jet program to teach english and then now he lives there and does vid- mostly like travel related vid- videos about japan um but he yep. started a podcast with a london radio dj and they kind of talk about different topics um yeah, I think I yeah. have seen a video or two of, mm-hmm. of his on YouTube. Yeah, so I just, it's entertaining, especially like the podcast is really entertaining in a way that his videos aren't because you have the the guy that lives in London, um, his name's Pete Donaldson. Um, so kind of like his view on stuff, he goes to Japan about once a year and it's, he just kind of goes to drink and party, it, it seems like, so... His, yep. like, what he does is different than um, what Chris, the main main host, does. And then I listen to, I recently started listening to Play for Fun with Mike Curley and Tiffany Arnett, I think her name is. Um, so it's just a podcast yep. about video games. And then um, I listen to most of the Book Riot podcasts, but the only one I listen to every week is Good get booked uh so that's just book recommendations um and then i also listen to the librarian is in which is uh it's another book related podcast uh done by uh, the new york public library system um through i don't know which they they partner with a like an american radio broadcast corporation for it i think it's it might be public radio international i'm not sure um, but so they partner yeah. with them to do that. So that one's really good. Um, and those are those are kind of the big one. And The World in Words is another one. And that's more about um, foreign language and language acquisition and that type of thing in linguistics. So, yeah, I tried tried getting into a few in linguistics because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty big on language and, yeah. and words. Um but yeah, like the few that I've tried, I've listened to a handful of episodes mm-hmm. of them and, and not really gotten into them. Yeah, The World in Words is, um, it's not, I haven't listened to it every week like I used to. They they kind of vary based on how long the episodes are and what type of episodes they are. Because sometimes it's two people discussing a topic and sometimes it's more of a radio journalism where they actually go out and interview people and do a whole piece like that so it's it's pretty good and they vary in length so you can have episodes from like 10 to 45 minutes usually that's a fair bit of variation (laughs) yeah so when you're when you were listening to podcasts for uh linguistics which ones do you remember the names of any of the ones you were listening to 
Yeah, the Illusionist is one that I remember. Haven't heard of with that one. Helen Zaltzman. Yeah, I listened to a handful. They're they're quite short episodes, mm-hmm. but um, sort of interesting takes on words and and mm-hmm. things like that. But it, I don't know. It's a bit too, bit too zazzy for me. I, I guess is the best way I can come up with describing that. So, yeah, I I, I did subscribe to that one and, and listen to a bunch of episodes and mm-hmm. it was sort of a good duration it goes for about 10 minutes which is roughly mm-hmm. my drive to work in the morning okay. um so i was putting it on of a morning but yeah like a, a couple of weeks later i just realized that you know i wasn't really that invested in it mm-hmm. um so I've, I've cut that at the minute i've been i've been actually struggling to find a good podcast to, to fill in some of my blanks which is strange because beforehand i found i, I had too many that I was trying to to listen to but now I'm trying to to mix it up a little bit Mm -hmm. one podcast that I have gotten into fairly recently was actually suggested to me um in the the first episode of two teams talking which is Dan Carlin's hardcore history okay um that that I found really good it's actually actually a really highly rated podcast Mm -hmm. um and they go for a long time like some will go for three hours some will go for five hours um, and it's just this guy, um, I assume it's Dan Carlin, mm-hmm. um, who thoroughly claims he's not a historian, but he's right into history and particularly military history. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've listened to episodes sort of relating to World War One, which was mm-hmm. great. And now episodes relating to, I think they're called the, the Kings of Kings, um, which is the, the Persians, when the, when the Persians sort of created their empire. Okay. So... Yeah, that's that's been really interesting. It, it's quite full on, um, so I, I mean I can't really listen to two hours of it at a time, uh, and that's why I'm sort of looking for other podcasts that I can slot around that just to give mm-hmm. me a bit of a break while I'm while I'm listening to the the same thing over and over. Yeah, so I imagine that can be a lot all at once. Um, but yeah, that I'll have yeah. to look at that one. I listen to um, stuff you missed in history class. That's I think that's the only history podcast yeah. I really listen to. Um and they do their episodes are half hour, forty five minutes, and they usually just cover one topic. Sometimes they'll do two parters. Um yeah. but I, I like them especially because they'll focus on they don't do long series like it sounds like hardcore history does. Uh but they'll focus on the history of Crayola crayons or the history of Hershey's or they'll focus on um, yeah. a specific person. Like they just released a two part on the history of ballet. So there are more micro histories um, and a lot of biography as it relates to, as it relates that to history. Like yeah. It's worth looking into. Yeah. They're, they're really good. They have, yeah, they have a really big backlog cause it's, through it's like the same same network that does stuff you should know and a couple other podcasts so they have a whole bunch of like science and history stuff yeah that sounds pretty cool so how do you how do you listen to your podcasts mostly on my phone phone? using um using a podcast app i um i recently as in just about a week ago got a, Mm -hmm. a new phone so when i was setting up the new phone i've been using podcast addict which i found is a is a really good app okay but i thought if i've got to stuff around with all my podcasts and um yeah resubscribe and go through sort of mm-hmm. like where i'm up to in all of them um i might as well try a new podcast player and i, I 
had been keeping my eye on on Google Podcasts, mm-hmm. um, just because I have Google Homes around my home, and like to listen through them. So I thought it would be a good way to to keep things in sync as far as the podcasts I listen to on my phone and the podcasts I listen to at mm-hmm. home. Um, what I learned is that Google Podcasts is a horrible app. It's um, <laughs> it it looks nice enough, but it's way too basic. It doesn't have like a, a Mark Allers played or anything like that. Um, or any other sort of customizable settings like being able to reverse the order and, and stuff like that. Um, okay. So, yeah, I thought, oh, it's a, it's a bit painful. I started to subscribe and, and set them up, thinking at least if it means I can sync between the, the Google Homes and my phone, it would be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't even have that available. You can't you can't do that anyway. So I ended up going back to the old faithful podcast addict and um, just set that up. In the in the process, I culled a few of my podcasts that I don't listen mm-hmm. to so much. Um, so when I look at my, my list now, it's it's quite bare. I've got about six or seven podcasts on it now. So yeah, but most mostly from my phone. Sometimes, like I say, if I'm doing the dishes or um, if I'm lying in bed, I'll just have it play through the, the speakers mm-hmm. of the Google Home. How do you listen to yours? Um, all through my phone. Um I live in a studio apartment, so really, if I put my phone on loud enough, I can hear it everywhere, uh, which is yep. kind of nice. Um, or I'll hook it up to my, I have a record player, so I go really old school with it, and I use a car adapter to adapt, a car adapter in the tape deck to hook up my phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. But uh, I asked, because I, I recently got a new phone as well, and I made the switch from Apple to Android, so... I have to find a new Congratulations. podcast app. Um, and I, when I made the switch, I completely forgot that that was something I would have to make a choice about, about how I listen to my podcasts, because I just defaulted to yep. the Apple one. Um, so I'm trying CastBox right now, just because that was the first suggested highest rated one in the Google Play Store. And I'm not yeah, a fan of it. That was the one it. that I started with as well. <laughs> For the same reason, I think. Yeah, I'm not a very big fan of it um, right now, so I'm, I'll need to explore more options. Um, yeah, CastBox is fairly simple. Um, I used it for a fair while just because I sort of didn't bother to look into any of the mm-hmm. others. Um, it just so happened that I, I jumped from CastBox to Podcast Addict. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't actually played around with any others except now Google Podcasts and uh, I don't think I'll do that again. I think I've learned my lesson there. Yeah. I think I may have the opposite reaction because the Apple podcast app is just so basic. That's what I'm used to. And yep. at least visually, it's really basic. It has some nice features with reordering and how, how you download things. Um, and it's just with CastBox, there's, I don't know, this the scrolling banner advertising other podcasts. And then I get ads while I'm looking at it. And I it's a free app so i get it but it's just not what i'm used to yep. which is a lot of my transition to this phone basically uh, fair enough what what yeah. other changes have you found going from apple to android um so it's just a lot of little things and some of it is more just the physical phone i had to preface this i had the same phone for almost six years so even if i switched to a new apple phone i would probably have the same reaction to a lot of the things um and before yeah. I had I had a iPhone 5C um, and I got that in t- 2013, the beginning. And before that, I had a flip phone. 
So I was kind of late coming to the smartphones. Um, but I recently had to get a new phone because mine isn't support the iPhone I had isn't supported anymore. Um, yeah. so apps stopped running basically. So I had to get, get a new one. Um, so I got the Nokia 6.1 and that's Android Oreo. Yeah, the, the, the Nokia, yeah. Nokia 6.1. Yeah. So it's been, it's been good so far. I like the battery life. Definitely. Um, my iPhone didn't last a whole day. It lasted about four hours at a time. So that's really oh, nice. Especially being six years old, mm-hmm. that probably wouldn't help. Yeah, it was really old. And if I took it out outside when it was cold, it just died. Um, so there's that. But there's just been um, like little things like uh, in the, on mine at least, the Google search bar comes default on the home screen and I can't get rid of it. Um. And just yep. like with the setup, there's just lots of, um, like I know Apple has stuff you can't get rid of, but it feels like on Android, there's there's more apps that you can't remove from the phone. And I think a lot of it has to do yeah, with... Yeah, but they're, they're not intrusive mm-hmm. though, are they? No, I think a lot of it has to do with um, that Android will break down like every single function of the operating system. So it has the keyboard app and then um yeah like the radio app and the i don't even know like the support app and things like that where with apple that was all kind of clumped into one icon um so it just seemed like it had a lot more because it has there's like 12 gigs of things on my phone that i can't get rid of that just come with the operating system basically which yeah. seems like a lot. Um, yeah, I, I do get that. Like, I'm just having a look now at mm-hmm. my phone through the apps. Like, it doesn't seem like a heap of apps to me, mm-hmm. um, but I never actually go into apps. I, I tend to set it up so that I can access the main things I use without ever having mm-hmm. to go through all of my apps. Yeah. And it's. I think it's It's kind of the same thing, like, with my old phone, I, I had it for so long, so it was set up pretty much the same way almost the entire time I had it. And so... I also yeah. routinely would go through and delete apps uh, from my home screen because I only had I only had eight gigs or sixteen gigs of storage. So, yeah. like, I would download it's not, Uber. Not a whole lot, but no, I would download Uber, get a ride somewhere, and immediately delete the app just to save the space on my phone. <laughs> and because, like, uh, you you mustn't have been getting an Uber very often. No, <laughs> not very often. Um, but yeah, so it's, um, I know like the setup was annoying, but I don't remember what setup was like with the iPhone because it's been so long. So it's probably the same. What I really do like yeah. is um, the haptic feedback on the keyboard. That's really mm. nice when you're texting. Um, but those are kind of the... I'm looking through my, my list of all the notes that I took. Um, I know I've been having a lot of issues with the, like, the vibration and ringtone settings. And I don't know if it's... Really? I think it's, I think it's the, because it's a Nokia phone with how they have it set up. Um, I know with my Apple phone, I could, you can adjust kind of the intensity of the vibration for the alert. And they had different yep. vibration patterns, and you could actually make custom ones 
to use. And I'm one of those people so where could I... could you have the phone in your pocket and mm-hmm. based on the vibration you feel, know sort of what sort mm-hmm. of notification it is? Yeah, so you can set it up like that, like like people would do with ringtones. You can do that with vibration patterns. And yep. I'm one of those people where I don't like my phone to make noise. So it's always on vibrate. And I made the most obnoxious vibration pattern that is basically just the phone vibrating the entire time that it give, allots you yep. for the vibration. Uh, and that's not possible on this phone, at least. I don't know if other Android phones have that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say probably not, unless okay. it's uh, like an aftermarket sort of software mm. or app that you use, because I've never been able to, to play around with that, and I didn't, I didn't know you could do it with the iPhone. Yeah, and so that's something I really liked on my iPhone that isn't on this phone, but, um, and I, I wound up, my alarm wound up not going off for a week when I switched over because I kept accidentally, when I would put my phone to silent, it would also silent the alarm. Um, Uh. which I don't know if that's like a setting I did that I didn't realize I did or, or something like that. It definitely seems strange, but I haven't, I haven't had a, a Nokia phone since the 3315. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure what the settings are like on them now, but that, that does seem strange. I, I didn't think mm-hmm. any phone would silence your alarm when you, when you put your phone on a silent because, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not your sure alarm's important. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's because I put it on silent or if when I was changing something, the alarm volume was just on silent and it stayed that way. But... Yeah. I couldn't figure out why. I thought I was just sleeping through my alarm or turning it off and not remembering um, until I woke up before my alarm and realized it just never made a sound. Um, yeah. So that, that made for an interesting first week. Um, so yeah. so it's, is it a week now that you've been on the Android phone? Um, uh, I think it's been about a week and a half. Week and a half, yeah. About a week and a half, yeah. So it's, um, I like it. Do the pros outweigh the cons? Um, I would say yes, because for me, the cons are all just little picky things where it's just I'm not used to it yet. So, yep. and for me, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's a new phone, I think, because my, my other phone was just so old. Um, but yeah. it's it's been interesting adjusting because for work, I have an iPhone. Um. So my work provides me with a phone. So I have two cell phones Um, and my work phone's still an iPhone because that's what they gave me. And then, so it's just interesting trying to, getting used to the the gestures on the screen are different. Yeah. And then it's kind of, if I use my work phone too much, I'll get really confused when I switch to my personal phone. Um, But that's something I experience with my computers because for, for work, I have a PC, and then my home computer yep. is a Mac. So it's, so it's all, all backwards. Your <laughs> so, work gives you yeah. an iPhone and a PC, mm-hmm. and at home you have a, a, a Mac and a Nokia. Yeah. So it's, it's reverse of what you think it yeah, would be. That would get pretty confusing, I reckon. But yeah. But so far, it's it's really good. I like it. Um, it's I think the, the Nokia, it's... It's a really solid phone, and it was very affordable, which is one of the reasons I chose it, because I'm not on a contract. So I don't know how 
yep. how they how it works over in Australia too much because when I was talking to some of my friends in Asia, they said that they don't get discounts through contracts. They just have to pay out of pocket. So I don't know how it's like over in Australia. Oh, really? Yeah, she lives no, in we, we India. We definitely um, so. get discounts through contracts. Like mm. I know um, like the phone that I've just got, it's a Samsung Galaxy S9. Um, I did the maths and it worked out if I was to buy it outright and then split that over 24 months, it would cost about $54 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas to get an actual plan with the phone, it's more like $10 a month. So they, they definitely uh-huh. discount with a with a plan. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I switched to I switched to a prepaid SIM card for my personal phone once I got yep. the job I'm in right now because my, my work said I could use my work phone for personal uses and that I could just get rid of my personal phone, but I like having a separate phone and a separate phone number. Um, that yep. way when I'm on vacation, I can just leave my work phone in a drawer and completely ignore everything. Uh, uh, the yeah. Old, the old... Old style, do not disturb, mm-hmm. just phone in a drawer. Yeah. Um, so so I switched to a prepaid SIM card just because it was so much cheaper um, than anything. I I pay, I prepay for a year and it averages to $15 a month. And that's with yep. unlimited talk and text. And uh, I think I get two gigs of 4G data. And after that, it just drops down to 3G. So... And yep. I, I had the exact same plan with T-Mobile here, and it cost $50, um, and they use the same towers, so there's no difference in the service. Yeah, so you saved yourself a fair bit of money yeah. there. So, but because of that, if I want a new phone, I had to pay out of pocket for the whole thing. So. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, even because I'd, mm-hmm. I'd had my old phone, I had a Galaxy S7 for two years. Um, and when I went in the other day to, to get the new phone, he's telling me about the plans with like 50 gig of data and all this. And I'm like, is there a, a smaller plan? He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the small ones, it's, um, it's 20 gig of data. Do you think that'd be enough? And it's like, well, I've had five gig of data for the last two years and I don't think I've ever used half of it. Most of, most of my internet usage is on Wi-Fi anyway. So yeah, that's, yeah. So now I've got like this, this 20 gig that I'll probably never make use of, but you know, it's nice to have. so much. I, yeah. yeah, I can't imagine using that much. I use, I don't even use the two, two gigs that I have every month. Um, part of that is because I work from home. So I'm using Wi-Fi most of the time. And yep. I know before, like with the old, my old phone, because it would die so often, I'd carry around both of my phones. So it was a little bit ridiculous. Um, and so I would use my work phone for podcasts and things like that because they had yep. a better data plan. And the battery lasted longer. Uh, but yeah, so it's like even when I look at my usage for my work phone, where I tether my laptop to it sometimes when I travel for work, I only have, yep. I think the most I've ever used is maybe maybe eight gigs in a month. Eight gigs in a month, yeah. Yeah. And that, that yeah. was with... That's the thing. It's, yeah. That seems like a lot to me. Like I said, given mm-hmm. I, I was on five gig a month and maybe used two to two and a half, mm-hmm. um, but now that I've got twenty gig, I don't know my my lifestyle could be changing a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I have a friend that she has ten gigs a month and she uses all of it. She watches a lot of videos using her data, yeah. I guess, because um, she used to have an hour and a half commute to work on public transit, so she would 
watch YouTube or I think she had Netflix on her phone too. And so that just would yeah, eat up okay. all of her data. So that, that'll chew mm-hmm. up a fair bit, wouldn't it? Yeah. That and I guess Tumblr is really data heavy because of all the images. So. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You mentioned you had some follow up here from a previous episode. Oh, yes. So Kinder Eggs. Um, I, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Kinder Surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kin- Kinder Surprise. I, you were, I forgot who you were talking about them with, but there was the speculation about whether or not in America they allowed them again, and they still don't allow them, but they created yeah. one called Kinder Joy. Um, so it's an egg-shaped package, and mm. half of it's filled with like a, a chocolate I haven't eaten it so I think it's like some chocolate cream spread that you eat with like a little plastic yep. stick and then it has the toy and because the so toy that would, be, that would be the bottom half mm-hmm. yeah and because the toy isn't actually in inside the chocolate it can be sold here but you still can't you're not supposed um, to sell them so in they... the US <laughs> but they do sell them uh, I, I found places that sell them uh, the regular Kinder Surprise. So, like, there's a few Indian grocery stores yeah. in Chicago that will sell them. So, if you and I think some of the Polish grocery stores. So, there's there's like a really big Polish community and Indian community in Chicago. So, if you go into the neighborhoods yeah. with like the Polish grocery store where they don't speak to you in English, they'll have them. Um, and same with like some of the Indian groceries. So you can get them. Yeah, I'm just I'm just having a look at some pictures yeah. of Kinder Joy. Kinder they, Joy. They look a fair bit. Uh, they look a little bit like Kinder Surprises. Um, just they all seem to be advertising based pictures that mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense how the the toy fits in there as well. But I guess it's the same with Kinder Surprise. I mean, they mm-hmm. they come in a couple of pieces usually, and you, you yeah. put them together. Yeah, it's. Do you have um, Wonder Balls in Australia? What was that? Sorry, you cut out. Wonder Balls. It's a Wonder Balls. Yeah, so it's a it's a a candy similar to Kinder Surprise, where it's a ball shaped chocolate. And originally, when they sold it, they were putting um, I think they wanted to put toys in it or like stickers or something. Um, but then yep. because of the FDA regulations for that, they changed it. And so it's a ball of chocolate filled with hard candies. Uh, so it's, filled I don't, with what? uh, hard candy. So like, um, oh, like yep, yep. sweet tarts or something like that. Um, yeah, we definitely don't have those in Australia, but okay. I'm just looking at a picture of them. They, they look pretty cool. Yeah. I, they were really popular in the nineties. I don't know. It looks like they still sell them. But yeah, that was like the American version. Yeah. You remember the lollies from when you were a kid and think, wait, do they still exist? Because you don't, you know, you're not going down to the, to the corner shop or buying lollies at the the school. And it's not like, it wasn't um, super popular either where you could find it everywhere. Um, But they had commercials for it all the time. Um, Yeah. But Yeah. See, I'm I'm a chocolate fan. I mean, a, a mm. lot of people are chocolate fans, but I I really like chocolate on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to find when you when you mix chocolate with things to make other things, it, it always just downgrades the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you get a lot of a lot of bars and stuff that 
you know, have chocolate and nut or, you know, things like Rocky Road or even just like mm-hmm. caramel and peppermint and, and things like that. I mean, I, I do really like the flavors, caramel and peppermint, but if I want to eat chocolate, I just want to enjoy the chocolate and not have yeah. anything else interfering with it. So do you like milk chocolate or are you a dark chocolate person then? Both. Oh, um, okay. I'm a, yeah, I'm a big fan of both. I'd, I'd say mostly milk chocolate, mm-hmm. but maybe 30% of the time I, I, I definitely prefer to have dark chocolate. Okay. Yeah, because I know I... So, yeah. If I have just plain chocolate, I like dark chocolate. Mm. And I think that has a lot to do with, I think the, the quality of chocolate is different in the U.S. versus other places because we allow, like, because if you take, like, Hershey's as a base, they have more wax and less milk solids in their milk chocolate. Yeah. So, yep. like, a lot of the American candy bars, if it's just plain chocolate it's and milk chocolate, it's just not that great. It just kind of tastes like sugar. Um but when you get dark chocolate, it's usually more expensive brands and they have better chocolate than. Yeah, my, my go-to place for chocolate is Aldi, which I don't, do they have Aldi in Australia? Yep. I know they have it in Europe. We, we, um, we do have, mm-hmm. we, we call it Aldi. Yeah, we have yeah. Aldi in Australia. Yeah, so that's my, my go-to place because it has all the really cheap German chocolate. Yeah, um, there, is, there is one chocolate I can think mm-hmm. of where they mix things into it and it seems to make it better. Mm-hmm. And that's Toblerone. Oh, yeah. To- Toblerone or mm-hmm. Toblerone? Toblerone. It's like oh. a, a Swiss mm-hmm. milk chocolate and they put, they put I don't know, all sorts of magical stuff in it. Yeah, they put like what, honey and almond nougat. Okay. Which is funny because I'm, I'm not a big fan of honey. You're not a fan? You're the first person I've met that has said that ever. Yeah, I, I, I don't like honey or things like... Um, like maple syrup and things like that, I find them to be too too sweet. I'm not not a fan. Not even maple syrup on your um, pancakes. Got, yeah, see, um, I don't really like pancakes. Okay. Uh, mainly for the the texture. Mm. But I mean, yeah, I guess the fact that I don't like maple syrup or honey kind of just puts me on the team against pancakes to begin with, doesn't it? I um as a as a kid I used to have things like um, peanut butter or Vegemite mm-hmm. on pancakes, um, which that'd freak a lot of people out the idea of Vegemite on pancakes. But yeah, I mean that was just the the things that I liked. But I I know definitely nowadays that I mean you give me the option to have pancakes for breakfast or nothing, I'll okay. have nothing. Yeah, my my brother's like that. He doesn't Same. like pancakes, and I just I like them sometimes. Um, but. The problem I find with eating pancakes for breakfast is I get full really fast and then an hour later I'm starving again, if that's yeah, what I have. There's, there's not much to pancakes, is yeah. there? Um, and when, so when you talk about pancakes, are you talking about like the fluffy ones or more of the flat crepe ones? Ah. Um. That, that's kind of the question. Because I know when I, I have a friend in London and to her, pancakes are very flat and basically crepes. So I don't know if that difference yeah, is the same I, in Australia. I, I think that's yeah, I think that's what I'm talking about. Um, okay. I'm just going to look up here American pancakes. <laughs> They're like the big, fluffy, like flapjacks. Uh, I yeah. guess it's like yeah. what I, you would I've think of. Never actually had 
those. So I mean, okay. I, I may like those, but still, it seems that they're complemented all the time by mm -hmm. things like maple syrup. I mean, it's or just golden like... syrup. Okay. Yeah, I think they're they're just like sweet, cakey bread, basically that you just douse in syrup to eat. Yeah. <laughs> With, without but, feeling so guilty about it if you just did that yeah. with a, a slice of bread you'd be like what what has come to mm -hmm. what is my life coming to yeah i went to about two years ago i went to i did a big trip to asia um and i have a friend that lives in thailand and she goes to dessert places to get like french toast and pancakes um so i yeah. guess most of asia they they just serve it as a dessert and it's not a breakfast food and I think that's that's because what it is. Really, it is a dessert. It is a dessert, and it's just an excuse to eat your dessert for breakfast. Yeah. Because I've definitely gone to places that have French toast with, like, they'll do like really fancy French toast with mascarpone cream and a bourbon sauce and dark chocolate inside and that kind of thing. I'm like, wow, that's a lot yeah. of sugar first thing in the morning. Yeah, I don't know. Seems seems pretty crazy. Like it, it's it's fairly common. I'll I'll say fairly common, mm -hmm. at least in from my experience in Australia, for pancakes to be a meal. Like even mm -hmm. even just for lunch. Um, but to me, that just seems wrong. I just I just feel like they're not a, an actual food. They're, they're more like like I say, like a dessert or a snack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we really um yeah. went down that rabbit hole on. on <laughs> What were we talking about? The, the kinder kinder surprises. Kinder, kinder surprise, yeah. I guess yeah. people always always find a way back to food. Mm -hmm. Always, yeah. I have I have one last anecdote about kinder surprises, um, because I think it's pretty fairly known that you know in the U.S. you can't bring them over, and you always talk about. You see memes online of like people having to unwrap and disassemble all of their candy before they bring it to the U.S. I did a trip yeah. in high school to Germany, and no one told us this. And so all of us brought Kinder mm -hmm. Surprise back, and none of us were stopped. Um, so I don't know how strict oh, really? they. So you, you, you made it through. Yeah, I made it through customs with contraband when I was sixteen, and uh, I didn't know it. Um, but I, I feel like to get stopped at customs, you probably need a large amount of them for them yeah. to notice it. If you have a few, maybe not. I don't know. But I just, I just think it's funny. Isn't that funny. a perfect example? It's the perfect example of um, while knowledge may be power, sometimes it's best just not to have it. Yeah. Like I, I can imagine somebody who, who knows or has thought this through. Like I can imagine Gray, for example, just like standing in the in the line at customs, you know, sort of pulling on his collar and sweating and getting mm. worried about, you know, the about the, the one Kinder surprise customs officers finding the Kinder surprises in his luggage. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, going through customs, they'll just stop you for weird things. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they've got their um, their reasons. Their profiling or um mm -hmm. or lists or whatever it is that, that help them do their job yeah but i mean like just when you go through um airports like i feel like every country it's a different standard of what you need to take out of your luggage what you can keep in it and it's a constant yeah like because yeah. when i did my my trip yeah. i had nine flights and i got stopped 
through security, like putting when I put my bag through every time for something different. Like yeah. one was I had change in my suitcase and they wanted it in the bin, like the little bucket. Yeah. yeah. And and just different things like that. Like some places and Grace talked about this with the tablets. Like some places you can have a tablet in your suitcase, some some place it has to be out. And and like recently I feel like different places have gotten more lax about the shoes going through security. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even a country to country change. I mean, sometimes just the one city to, to another city yeah. or the same airport, you go back to it 6 months later and they've just got a different mm-hmm. a different idea or different rules. It's yeah. It does get pretty annoying mm-hmm. trying to to keep track of that. Yeah, especially like I don't know if it's worse if you travel more or travel less. Um, cause I feel like if you travel a lot, you feel like you should know what you're doing, but you just don't Yeah. because no one does. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't fly all that often. So yeah, at least every time I'm like, you know, reworking out what I've got to mm-hmm. do because it's like, it's been a year maybe since I, since mm-hmm. I last was there. Um, yeah. So it does vary a bit. It's, it's funny though with, um, like the, the same sort of thing with carry on luggage mm-hmm. at the minute we've, um, We've booked a trip to Bali um, to head to in April, which is going to be great fun. But we've all decided we're going as a, a big group of friends and we've all decided that we're just doing carry-on luggage. Um, so it'll be a, a pack light sort of job. Mm-hmm. And they give you seven kilos and you know a certain set of dimensions that your carry-on luggage has got to fit into. But people I've spoken to are like, yeah, you can take a carry-on like bag, little suitcase thing, and then a backpack as well, or or a camera bag, or a yeah. handbag, or or whatever separately. So like you know we're we're here like mm-hmm. making sure that we can pack bags with enough clothes in them and and weighing them to make sure they come under the seven kilos. But then yeah, people are saying oh, but if you had a, a separate bag that goes under the seat, then you don't have to worry about it. So it brought up an interesting topic because I always thought you know they'd limit you to seven kilos because of the fuel mm-hmm. on the airplane. I mean they've got to they've got to work out. You know, obviously, the heavier the plane is, the more expensive it is to move, and that's how they justify charging extra for for extra baggage and things like that. Mm-hmm. But a few people have brought up the point to me that the overhead lockers, the reason why you're limited to to seven kilos, is because the overhead lockers, you know, it's unsafe for lifting things up high there and and stuff like that as well, and 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 things like ratings. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's something that I I don't even know now. I'm gonna have to work out by the time I. Uh, head off to Bali what the the story is there because I might have a bit of trouble getting everything into one bag at this stage yeah yeah I know at least for for me all the travel I've done it's been a carry-on suitcase and then a personal item um and I know some airlines have restrictions on the size of the personal item uh, and some don't so you see women with those huge like handbags coming in where you can fit a small child in it um but yeah there's also like chocked full like like people that wear like 20 layers of clothes when they get on the plane yeah the people that just like wear a coat with all their stuff in it i've heard of that happening um yeah but i've i've been on flights where you have to pay for the carry-on even um yeah yeah pay extra and that's i don't i know like um i think frontier or alaskan air one of those it's like a super budget airline in the u.s spirit spirit they do um and i think maybe easyjet in europe does it 
where you pay for the carry-on. I'm not sure. I guess it uh, makes sense. The more the more they cut mm-hmm. out of their price on the tickets, the the more things yeah. they have to find to, to charge you extra for just to be able to mm-hmm. um to survive. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely that person that will take the the cheapest t- ticket option possible. Um, so like when yeah. I went, I did a trip to London, and you had to pay to reserve a specific seat. You had to pay for the in-flight meal extra. You had to pay for checked luggage extra, which usually in international flight, you don't have to pay for those things. And so I just yeah. kind of went with my backpack and hoped for the best on my, my seating assignment and brought a sandwich. Yeah. So. I, I feel as though even the um, the more expensive airlines, they see mm-hmm. the budget airlines doing this and yeah. people, people sort of moving to it. And then the more expensive airlines go, oh, okay, so we can do this now or we can do that now. And, they, and they'll do the mm-hmm. same thing. They'll start cutting out like your free meals or, or things like that, mm-hmm. um, but still keep their, their ticket prices the same. Yeah. Bra- Brady was talking about that in an episode when him and his wife went to Antarctica about how yeah, when they reserved their flight, they didn't have them. They would have to pay extra to pick seats. And so yeah. no one yeah. was next to their spouse. So I remember he went on a little bit of a, a rant about that. A rant there. Um, yeah. So um, as though they're said, doing it on purpose just to mm-hmm. be able to draw, draw more money out of people. Mm-hmm. Um. So you said so, in the show notes that you had a paper yep. cut with Brady. Oh, I have a I have a Brady's I have a Jay's paper cut. A Jay's paper, paper cut, cut with with Brady. With Brady. Um, which is interesting in itself. But there's something I've noticed um, listening to Brady, and it's something that's always annoyed me. I've never really just picked up on what it is Um, Mm -hmm. until recently. I went back and listened to some earlier episodes and sort of rediscovered it again. He does it in in current podcasts as well, but he has this grammatical thing where he always says he and I or she and I, um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, he might say like my wife and I, even when that's not the appropriate place to put it. You know, for example, my wife and I went down to the beach with the dogs. That makes sense. But he would say, oh, yeah, so um, the dogs came down to the beach with my wife and I. And whenever he does that, it just I, I don't notice it a lot of the time, but I cringe to some extent because it's something that people do tend to just not worry about anymore grammatically. But for some reason, mm-hmm. um, I mean, like I said, I'm into language and I, and I like the idea of trying to keep some form of um, consistency in language as well. But even I I do it with my friends all the time where I'll I'll pick them up on it um, Mm -hmm. just because they're saying, oh, me and someone or where it should be the other way around. But it just seems to annoy me more when people are using the like he and I version where it's not supposed to be that one. It feels like they're trying to sound smart and, and they're using it in the, in the wrong context. And then especially mm-hmm. when it becomes to a like a professional level, um, like when you're listening to a podcast and it's just like, oh, how like how do people not pull you up on this? But at the same time, I don't I don't go writing in like you know they're um actually Brady. I feel that you should say uh, <laughs> me and my wife. I like I don't do that, but surely somebody's doing that, aren't they? Probably. Um, I just think it's interesting because he used to be in print journalism. So yeah, that, but I mean, when you're writing, writing newspaper stories, you're not necessarily writing in first person. So that probably didn't come up that often. 
But yeah, and I also know. he had editors trailing behind mm-hmm. him as well, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I know for me in school it wasn't the whole and I was drilled into us, but not yeah. when it was appropriate to use that. So I kind of understand yeah. thinking that that's the right version all the time, but also with the school I went to, we did very little with grammar, honestly. Um, I think I learned more grammar when I was studying German than in my English classes. Yeah, so. I, I definitely found, because um, I, I did German um, mm-hmm. throughout high school, and yeah, I found that learning German taught me a lot more about English grammar than what mm-hmm. any English class ever had, like just trying to, to compare and contrast everything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, with, with the, the he and I versus me and him, all you have to do is take the other person out and just make it you and think, okay, would I say that I am going for a walk on the beach or would I say that me am going for a walk on the beach? Um, so, yeah, like it, it's sort of, it's something that's hard. I mean, I, often I do find like when I when I start speaking mm-hmm. the conversation, often I'll pause for a second and, and think about it just because I'm quite critical of others when I, when I pull them up for it as well. But yeah, I mean, I could I could give in to the dark side and just stop caring about it and nobody would ever notice anyway. So I, I don't know, but there's just something that stops me from, from doing that. And, and as I mentioned, just a, a paper cut that um, Brady gets me with all the time. I like how poor grammar is your dark side. Oh, well, what's, <laughs> what's a better example of the dark side? Using Apple products? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. Using uh, Comic Sans, that, that is a good example. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or just poor font choices, maybe. But, but. see, even, even your Comic Sans point, yeah. Nobody, nobody cares anymore. It's like you, you could say that, but you know, it, it began as like people mm-hmm. using Comic Sans because they knew that it was funny or eye-catching. Um, like you know, a lot of them were doing it like tongue-in-cheek sort of thing. But mm-hmm. now most people are just grabbing Comic Sans because it's familiar to them. Yeah. Yeah. So in my, I just always find it interesting. So kind of thinking about grammar and typefaces and things like that. So in my in my job, I review, uh, part of my job is reviewing applications. So I look yep. at hundreds of resumes and it's always interesting to see because I'll review resumes from people that have like this may be their first job up to high level management positions. And so it's really interesting to see like some of the people, like the choices they make on their resumes because I've definitely gotten um, resumes with written in um comic sans or the the old english font um or uh there's a font that looks like braille so obviously you can't read that unless you change the font um so like i just got emboss the paper and use your fingers Mm -hmm. or emboss Um, the paper and use your fingers to read yeah or, or do something like that and so it's just always interesting to see like I wonder how many of the people are doing this because they like the way it looks or if they're just trying to have fun with it um, because they think it's just yeah. a machine reviewing everything and pulling out keywords. Yeah, I, I know in, in my past I've read a lo- lot of resumes and, and mm-hmm. sort of employed people in that respect and it helps you understand what 
to put in a resume like you don't need to have a lot in a resume and you don't need you know all the um all the prettying up of a resume um i'm i'm very much just okay get to the details and like Mm -hmm. and i'll read the details i mean certain things obviously will make an impression like fonts and things but i I tend to be more on okay what does this say and how does it say it because sometimes the the way someone chooses to to put something to paper will tell Mm -hmm. you a lot about sort of how they've constructed that um but as you can imagine if i'm reading a resume and i'm you know halfway through and there's a, a grammatical error or a spelling error or something like that it's just like put that one yeah. aside um which seems fairly critical like i don't expect people's grammar to be excellent all of the time i know mine definitely mm. isn't but something like a resume that you're supposed to you know put a fair bit of effort into you'd think that you would proofread it or at mm. least get someone to, to proofread it for things like that yeah my favorite is um I have a friend that teaches a professional practices class at a university and I helped her with um, part of her presentation about resumes and things like that. And my favorite example of this is I was reviewing a resume that they did spell check and everything, but they didn't have another person look over it. And they must have had a typo when they said general maintenance because it had auto corrected because you could tell it was an autocorrect situation to genital maintenance. I'm like, that is not what you wanted to say there. Um, And you see that a lot. That's that's why even if you read it back, Mm -hmm. it's going to jump out at you, surely. Yeah. Or really just having a second person read it. If you spend too much time with the text, your brain knows what's there. So it's going to skip over any errors, basically. So just having that other set of eyes is always extremely valuable in those situations. Yeah. A lot of the time I use the um, the wait method in those cases. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll write something and then give it a day or two and, and mm-hmm. read it again. You tend to find that that stops you from just assuming what's, re- what's written there mm-hmm. as, you, as you're reading it. Yeah. And always like, I, I do this like um, at work a lot, of, a lot of the emails I send are kind of explaining how to do something. Um, and yep. so a lot of times because it's things I do every day in our system, I just kind of type it out. I'm like, oh, this makes sense to me. But I always am, am, am not sure sometimes. So I have to have someone else read it. Just like, does this make sense? Um, and just yeah. spending that little extra time instead of having to do that back and forth all the time with the email if it doesn't make sense. Yeah, because oh. otherwise you might you might make mm-hmm. assumptions of what the other person knows mm-hmm. or, or put it in a way that doesn't doesn't help them. Yeah. Or they may do something wrong and like you have a bigger thing to clean up later. Do it, do it right the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, to cut back a little mm-hmm. bit to, so with the, the carry-on there, mm-hmm. you'd mentioned about having a, a carry-on bag and then a personal item. Oh, yes. It's this, this personal item is the thing that I need to do a bit of, a bit of digging into because um, just recently um, mm-hmm. on Boxing Day, actually, I, I bought myself a, a drone. Okay. Um, and I'm hoping that I, well, not hoping, I'm definitely going to take that to Bali with me because I'm just been fairly obsessed with uh flying my drone and and filming things lately Uh, well i say lately ever since i got it i've thought about not much else but (laughs) drones and drone footage um so i I bought the Mm -hmm. the mavic pro platinum in the fly more combo so it comes with like a little bag that's really just like a camera bag um and weighs i don't know about 
about 2.2 kilos, maybe two and a half kilos by the time I've got a a charger with it as well. So that's the main thing. I can, I can Mm -hmm. fit stuff in the bag to get by, like, you know, some shorts and shirts and, uh, Mm -hmm. and toiletries and things like that. But it's going to be a matter of whether I need to be trying to fit the drone into that seven kilos in the bag or not. Um, so yeah, I mean, given, given drones have been on the forefront of my mind, I, I just wanted to to talk about it a little bit and maybe there's listeners out there that have the, the same sort of interests. Yeah. So what did, what did you want to talk about for the drones? So I don't really have any background in them. Um, yeah. I've seen some of the larger ones and they honestly look terrifying. Um, oh, and yeah. I just, yeah, I just imagine the, the people, ones. yeah, people accidentally flying them into other people's faces. Um, and maybe that's yeah. just, oh. I'm sure there's <laughs> maybe it's me projecting Sorry, my experience with like remote control helicopters and my brothers as a child, but <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're tormented. <laughs> I am. I'm the youngest. So yes. <laughs> yeah. No. So, um, I mean, drones, drones are something that I've really mm-hmm. liked the idea of for a long time. A, a few years ago, I bought like a, a cheap one, which, um, I got over very quickly because it, mm-hmm didn't last very long as far as the um the flight time or anything like that and it wasn't wasn't packed full of smoothness and features like what the the new one I've got is mm-hmm. um so I went through a little bit of a an adventure so to speak um this year for my birthday and christmas and um any other sort of occasions that came up I just asked anybody I know that was getting me anything to get me vouchers for a for a retailer that I knew would sell or that I knew sold drones um, so I managed to come up with a, a fair chunk of money over the year, which then meant that I only really had to pay for a bit over half of the of the drone at the end of it. It's something that I've never really justified spending a lot of money on, but by doing that, it um, it helped me to justify buying a, a toy. And I mean, it's not really a, a toy as such, but it's just loads of fun. Um, like I said, it's the, the Mavic Pro that I got. So I mean, it's... A handheld drone it's not like a big crazy mm-hmm. thing that's gonna hurt lots if it crashes into you it'll hurt me lots if i crash it because yeah it was <laughs> quite expensive yeah but um yeah i mean since i got it i've just been racking up the hours flying filming a lot of a lot of cool things um i recently went up to the the place i was living up in narrabri where i was living for five years and um, they've got some beautiful mm-hmm. mountain ranges nearby so I, I went out near there and and uh, flew around getting some awesome pictures and stuff, um, which I'm yet to actually turn into a to a video. I've uh, in the last few days made a, a YouTube page um, and put out a couple of videos on there just of of stuff that I've got. So um, it's nothing incredible, but it's it's just I find it awesome. Like just the power that you have, the mm-hmm. the reach that you have to be able to get a cool perspective on things, um, make things that end up really beautiful as far as as far as I'm concerned yeah it's I really when I watch videos I always like when they have drone footage especially since you know you get a view that you don't normally get of a space there and because I like to watch a lot of um watch a lot of travel videos on YouTube so when they do the drone footage that's always really nice because you get the whole panoramic scene um well, I'm always curious about with drones, especially when they're going so far out, how do you keep track of where it is and make sure you can get it 
to come back to you? Like, do you have yep. navigation on the remote control or how does that work? Yeah, so it's all like it's it's all got um, GPS and, and oh. linkages and things like that. So on your on your phone or your device that you're flying with, so it comes this one comes with a controller and then you connect your phone to it. So mm-hmm. the phone displays the screen of whatever the drone is seeing. Um, but then in the corner you have a map as well. So at any point you can get the map up and it will pinpoint like it'll show you where the drone is and then where you are as well. So you've always got that as an indicator. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Australia, by law, you're required to keep line of sight. So even though this, this drone is rated to go up to seven kilometers away, um, I found you get about 500 meters away and it becomes very hard to, to keep track of in the mm-hmm. sky. Um, but in saying that, like that's that's quite a bit of, bit of range anyway to be able to yeah. have to to get cool shots and and things so yeah i mean it, i haven't had any scary moments as far as like not knowing where the where the drone is because you're keeping it fairly close to yourself but i've mm-hmm. had a, a few run-ins with some birds um which has been a, a bit scary like you'll just be flying along and next thing you, you see in the camera that a, a bird swooped past and you look up to where the drone is and you've got like birds flying around swooping at you getting getting a bit aggressive so yeah, there's been a few cases where i've had drone? to just abort what's that were they attacking the drone yeah or... yeah oh. just a, like the first the first running i had was with like a, a hawk and it didn't attack the drone it, it, i just sort of had flown up out into this field to have a look around we were, we were out at a lake that we go boating at a fair bit and I'd just been filming um, some of the guys doing wakeboarding, so I had it set at 96 frames per second so I could do slow-mo. Um, and so I had, just in the screen, I noticed this just flash sort of go past the screen and thought, oh, that was a bird, and I quickly got out of there. But because I was in, in slow-mo at the time, um, it was real convenient because now I've got this really cool shot of a hawk just sort of coming into the shot and circling around me tilting its head trying to work out what i am so that was more of a a curiosity thing oh um the next time though i was up in the the mountains that i was just talking about Mm -hmm. um and i was flying along and i just i just saw a a bird sort of swoop through uh, it was a, a kite of some description i couldn't tell at the time on my phone but i've been able to obviously look at it since and i've just seen it swoop through and as i look up to where the drone was there was two of them and they were both sort of flapping above the the drone and then spiraling down swooping at it um it seemed as though each time they weren't trying to hit it they were just trying to intimidate it and and it worked i mean they they intimidated me and i I got out of there because i was i was way over this mountain range um with all this scrub and so if um if they had have just clipped me it would have sent the drone out of the air and uh, i would have had a very hard time trying to find it like even though it gives you like the last known gps and stuff but if it hits a branch on the way down and then the GPS mm-hmm. cuts out, you know, it becomes pretty pretty hard to find there. So, yeah, a couple of couple yeah. of scary occasions. But from that one, I, I managed to get a, like a still shot from it with this kite just beautifully in it with the um, with the mountains behind it. And I've like set that as my as my desktop background. Oh, wow. Um, and also as like the, the banner on my YouTube channel as well. So, yeah, I'll. I'll see if the guys can put a, a link in the description to my channel and by mm-hmm. the time this goes out I might have a, a few more videos. It's mostly um mostly longer sort of um ambient background relaxing stuff. Just okay. just slow shots and a bit of bit of music to go with it. Um so they go for maybe ten, twenty minutes and they're not that interesting to watch, but then 
I'm putting together some wakeboarding videos as well at the minute and um, some shorter stuff that might be a bit more interesting and, and rewarding to watch. Awesome. Yeah, that that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Once you get over yeah. like yeah, the terror of losing <laughs> something that expensive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um I got the DJI Care with it. So in the mm-hmm. first 12 months, if I crash it, I can have it replaced or repaired for like oh, $200 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, good idea. The only thing is I have to... I have to have the physical drone to send back to them. So mm. in cases like that, you know, if it does go down in water or if it goes down over, over the forest and stuff, then, yeah, I'm going to have to go to quite a bit of effort to try to recover it. Yeah. All right. And then, so I think we've gone through most of our topics, but you said you made a Tim. I did. I did. We want to we finish with the story of how I made a Tim. Sure. All right. Um, okay. So, oh, it's difficult for me to tell stories without sort okay. of diverging a lot. And so, in this case, what what's happened? So, I mentioned earlier, it's been mm-hmm. about a year that I've been listening to Hello Internet, and Hello Internet got me into podcasts um, and all sorts of things like Reddit and even this, what I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. obviously. So, um, I was doing a trip up to Narrabri to see family there. Um, just in the through the new year or early early January it was and I've got a sister who lives up there and she was down here visiting people so um, I ended up driving her back up or we you know we, we split the trip um, and drove back up so during that I had some podcasts playing um, and I'd explained hello internet to her which mm-hmm. she thought sounded pretty interesting um, and she wanted to listen to it so I started at the beginning. I went back to episode one and, and played through, I think we only got through about four episodes um, as we were driving along, but she actually did did find it pretty funny and interesting. Um, the weird sort of thing is, as I was pulling into to Narrabri, it was at the point where um, Brady and Gray were talking about the reviews that they'd had from the different countries and tr- putting mm-hmm. the call out there for, for new countries to be leaving reviews so they could fill the map. Um, and it was so crazy because I was just driving into the town and had like a deja vu moment of when I was listening to that point, I'd just gotten to the town and was like pulling my, my bags out of the car, um, while I was listening to that. So it was really, really funny. Like you sort of go back exactly a year and it was when I first got into it, first started listening to it. And I was at the same point when I got to the, when I got to town. So like, that was that was kind of cool, and um, yeah. Afterwards, my sister asked me to send me the the link to um, to that podcast. So I haven't had an update from her since. I don't know how how much she's listened to it or whether she's even listened to it. But I felt pretty pretty happy that I'd gotten somebody involved in the show, and um, and I made it him. Awesome. So when you were describing the podcast to her, how did you do that? Because yep. I like it's such a hard thing to describe. Besides, like it's just two guys talking about stuff mostly apple products and weird things like flesh it's it's something that i've described a lot of times in a lot of different ways depending on the person i'm talking to but i actually went from the angle of um you know the fan art videos the like the hello internet Mm -hmm. um animated videos yeah often people have brought up like the conversation point of okay if like where do you start how do you introduce somebody to hello internet 
And I've, mm-hmm. I've often thought, show them the Hello Internet animated videos because they get, you know, short snippets, examples of what they're talking about and a cool sort of animation to, to help liven it up, I suppose. Um, and so I, I didn't show her the videos, like at this point we were, we were driving and stuff, um, but I just thought, okay, to explain it, I kind of explained it from the perspective of the animations and just said, okay, um, so CGP Grey, he's portrayed as like a, a robot, um, whereas Brady, like, you know, like just sort of explaining where they're from and stuff, saying, so, mm-hmm. you know, Brady, he's from Adelaide um, and he's portrayed more like a caveman um, and he's hard as nails and just sort of explaining that, all that sort of um, in talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I explained to her that when I did, first start listening I started listening to an episode that was like episode 94 or something um and then just because I listened to that episode there are a lot of inside jokes and references and stuff that I didn't understand so that's why mm-hmm. I jumped back to to the first um the first episode and so I sort of just explained that to her and said you know like it can take a little bit to get into but once you've sort of got a feel for like the references they make and and stuff it, it's worthwhile so it was good that we mm-hmm. managed to get about four episodes in um, because she got a, a good feel for it as well. And it's, a, it's sort of really exciting because I'm there going, oh, she still doesn't know about this or she hasn't come across <laughs> that. Um, you know, like they were talking about uh, about freebooting, but it was only oh, at the yeah. point where they were saying that stealing isn't the right word for it. And I'm like, oh, I'm just trying so hard. I'm like, okay, I'm not, not going to give it away. I'm not going to tell her that like the word's freebooting and, and that now it's a word everywhere and that they made the word. I'll just let her get to that on her own time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll have to check in with her and uh, and see whether she continued or whether she was just um, interested because there was nothing else to do on a twelve-hour drive. Yeah, I need to. I need to try to make a Tim because I have instances similar to that where I'll listen to an episode and I'll want to talk about the, I guess, the story arc of the podcast and and things like that and talk about that or like um. Like, whenever they have the conversations about, um, like, when they were talking about Americans introducing themselves, um, that situation about how they do that, saying what state they're from versus what country they're from, just having someone to talk about those topics with. um, So I just need to force a friend to sit down and listen to it and like it, whether they want to or not. Yeah, just trying trying to explain it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like to sit down with someone and be like, oh, when you're away, like trying to quiz them on, okay, what, where do you say you're from? Um, yeah. You're right. It will be a lot easier if people people you know have listened to it mm-hmm. and when you do make references, they just go, oh, bang, they just pick up the conversation and know exactly where you're up to. Yeah. I guess that should be everyone's assignment is make a Tim. <laughs> make a Tim, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, if each person made two Tims. Mm-hmm then it would extrapolate much better, wouldn't it? But you just have to, whenever you make a Tim, you yeah. need to encourage that person to make two Tims themselves mm-hmm. and then eventually we'll take over the world. Yes. And then you won't have to pay extra for monogramming things because everything will um, already have the T on it. Yeah. There's all sorts, like the, the possibilities mm-hmm. are endless. They but, are. I mean, even on, on one point, I mean, we... We right here have a pretty niche podcast, um, like the Two Tims Talking podcast. It's not something that, you know, you could expect to explode mm-hmm. or anything. You know, it's 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 directed at a closed audience. I mean, our audience can only ever be really, um, 
TIMS and therefore we're already closing down a lot of the options. But if we just expand how many mm-hmm. TIMS there are in the world, once everyone's a TIM and we get everyone talking about two TIMS talking, mm-hmm. we could we could we could change everything. Yeah. Does that sound a little mad? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I mean, it was for me it was interesting because I was telling people that I was going to be on a podcast and I was really excited about yeah. it. Um, cause I was interested in doing this because I listen to hello internet and I'm, um, kind of like dipping my foot into possibly creating my own podcast, but I haven't figured out quite what I want to do or haven't gotten someone to agree to be a co-host at all. Um, yeah. and I don't want to do a solo podcast. So, um, this was kind of a way to practice, to see practice. how I liked it. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to explain to my friends the podcast I would be on and so when you explain this podcast I have to give them the full background on hello internet and then go it's a fan podcast of that podcast basically yeah um when I explain that to people you just you just lose them straight mm -hmm. away like you explain that and they're just like okay because they're like oh what are you talking about and it's like (laughs) oh all sorts of topics um partly based around the topics they discuss on hello internet Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, what do they talk about? And you're like, oh, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> All of the things. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we want to stop the recording there? Yeah, I think that we, I mean, yeah. we've been talking for a long time. Um, An hour and 21 minutes, hour and 22 minutes. So I'm going gonna, yeah. I'm gonna to stop.